living a Christian life that glorifies God, it requires effort. Make every effort to add. Everybody shout add. Add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, faith. We are saved by faith through grace. Not our works, lest any man should boast. Faith. Everybody shout faith. We're saved by faith. But here's what Peter says. Once you have enough faith to believe God to save you, it is your responsibility and my responsibility to add to our faith. When we get saved, y'all look at me. When we get saved, it's the greatest decision ever. Can I hear a good amen? But it's entry level in the kingdom of God. It's kindergarten. You, you, you're a sinner, saved. Now you're in the kingdom of God. You're in kindergarten. If you want to go on past elementary school and go to junior high and high school and college and get a doctorate, you have to add to your faith goodness. You have to add to your goodness knowledge. You have to add to your knowledge character. The more it is our job to build ourselves up as a spiritual house that honors and glorifies God. Not just faith forever. Praise God you believe. Everybody says they believe. Even the devil believes. But add to. When you add to, it shows you put your money where your mouth is. 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Last thing I'll say about this is this. Do you know, do you have more knowledge of God now than you did a year ago? Like not have you come to church more, like not have you preached more, like not have you led worship more, like do you know God more? Do you have more knowledge? Because here's what the Bible says, we are destroyed by lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge and lack of effort are killing the Christian church these days. It's time we start improving. Now, here's the second thing I want to talk to you about today. And I just cannot wait to talk to you about this. Jesus' eyes are flaming fire. He sees everywhere. His feet are polished brass or bronze. In Scripture, bronze and brass means judgment. Means judgment. It represents judgment. And there is a word that we do not like to talk about today, and that is judgment. Nobody wants to be judged anymore. Don't you judge me. Who do you think you are to judge me? You can't judge my sin. You can't judge my lifestyle. We live in a world that is so offended, that is so booty hurt, that is so triggered, that is so up in the air nowadays because, because of judgment in the world. Can I just tell you something today? Judgment. We have to live. Listen to me. Look, 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 look. And I'm talking to you students. I'm talking to everybody. We, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we have one thing that we judge everything by. Our standard is not the standard of the college. Our standard is not the standard of the government. Our standard is not the standard of culture. Our standard is the Word of God. And if we are going to be mature believers in Jesus Christ, everything that we judge in this world, we must judge it according to the Word of God. And that offends people, and that triggers the snowflakes all over the world. Just think about it. They are so mad at the church right now because of our stance on abortion. They say, oh, well, you can't judge it. No, 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 here's the deal. We, the Word of God says this. Before we were in our mother's womb, the Lord knew us and he formed us. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb of our mother. And if God made us in the womb, who are we to go against the plans of God and murder what God considered to be life? That's the, hey, look, don't be mad at me. Hey, don't be mad at me. That's my convictions. 
That's what the Word of God says. I'm judging it by the Word of God. You know, we can go all day. Let's get into this gay marriage deal. Oh, you can't judge me. You can't judge gay marriage. No, I'm not personally, but the Bible says marriage is one man and one woman, so that's what I judge it by. This transitioning, this transgender stuff that we hear nowadays, I'm not judging you. If you are confused, guess what? We've all been confused at one time or another, but the Word of God stops all the confusion because God is not the author of confusion, and if God made you a man, he intends for you to be a man. And if God made you a woman, he intends for you to be a woman. I'm judging that according to the Word of God. We would be weak, weak people with absolutely zero conviction if we swayed and used the Word of God when it was beneficial to us and when everybody liked it and then just disregarded it over here to make someone accept us. It's our, it's the Word of God. It's our God. Here's the thing. Live your life. Live your daily life, your thoughts and your actions based and judged up against the Word of God today, and you will rejoice later on. I get it. Let's, let's be honest. Look at me. Sometimes living our life according to the Word of God is hard. Can I hear an amen? But it's going to pay off in the end. Listen to me. You live your life right now, and you judge it against culture, and you judge it against society, and you judge it against your feelings and what's cool, I'm telling you, there will come a time when you will regret what you did. Judge it according to the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. This judgment thing we don't like, I'm fixing to read you some scripture. Every one of us, you and I, we are going to sit on the great white throne one of these days, and we're going to be judged by God the Father. He is the righteous judge. He sees everything. He knows everything. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from everyone else. But every one of us, believer and non-believer alike, will sit on the great white throne and we will be judged by God, the righteous judge. You need to know that. We don't talk about this enough in church nowadays. Here's the Revelation 20, 11 through 14. And I saw a great white throne, the judgment throne, and the one sitting on it. It's God the Father. He's the judge. The earth and the sky, they fled from his presence, but they could find no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books, remember that, the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in these books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds." Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. There's coming a day when the dead and the alive and the believer and the non-believer are going to be resurrected and we're all going to sit on the throne. There's a couple of books in heaven. There's one book in heaven, and your life story is written down in that book. God is the author and the finisher of your faith. Every deed we did is written down. It's recorded in that book. But there's another book that's more important than that book, and it's called the book of life. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you trust his blood to forgive you and make you a new creation in Christ Jesus, your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. But that does not mean that we will be excluded from sitting on the great white throne. And God will say to us, Alex, here's what you did, and here's what you didn't do. Jesse, here's what you did, and here's what you didn't do. Shaney, here's what you did and what you didn't do. And can I tell you this? When God is a righteous judge, and he sits on the throne in righteousness, you know what the verdict is for mine and your life and mine and your sin? Guilty. Guilty. Because you're guilty, and I'm guilty. 
And if that messes with you and if that offends you and that triggers you and that brings a little uncomfort in you, I am sorry, but you know what the Bible says? All have sinned and fallen short of the standards of God. You know what the Bible says? There is none righteous, no, not one. So we have to understand that our own righteousness is as filthy rags and even as good as we think we are, it's not enough to meet the standards of God and to have eternal life in heaven. We will be judged. God will look and he'll say, Jesse, you are guilty. And about the time he bangs down the gavel, there's going to step in an advocate. There's going to step in our attorney, and it's going to be Jesus Christ. And he's going to go, wait a minute, God the Father. Remember, I went to the cross, and I shed the blood, and my blood paid for Jesse, paid sins altogether. He belongs to me. And God's going to go, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's the only hope we've got. So this is so good. This is third service. I can preach as long as I want to preach to y'all. Because in this book of deeds, in this book of our life where we've sinned and where we've messed up, you know what the Bible says happens? That, that our sins and our life have been blotted out with the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to be judged, but our sins have been blotted out, and they're not counted against us anymore. We're counted worthy because of the blood of Jesus, our faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. Let's get down to it. I have... Eight minutes left in my 30-minute sermon to talk to you about point number two. The first subtle sin is coasting, taking easy, not improving. The second sin that's killing the church and killing our world and killing our family and killing our country is sexual sin. It's sexual sin. And I don't think we talk about it near enough in church. I don't think we talk about it because it's uncomfortable. Some of you already, you got your kids in here today, and you're like, oh, my God, I got my kids in here. My kids don't need to hear this. Let me say something to you. Yes, your kids need to hear it, and they need to hear it from you. Because I'm going to tell you, they're already seeing it on the phone, and they're already hearing it at school, and they're already hearing it from their peers because sex is in TV now. Sex is everywhere that we go right now. And I'm going to tell you something. Our kids need to have parents that have enough courage to talk to them about uncomfortable things and teach them what the biblical standards of sex really are. It is. It's just, it is. And I know it's really freaky and really weird right now, but it's okay. Because Can I tell you something? I preach to y'all. Let me tell you what's wrong with the church. Sexual sin is killing the church. It's killing the church because we become numb to it and we become dumbed down to it. We don't think about it the way we used to. Used to, it was sex was bad, sex outside of biblical marriage. Biblical marriage is one man and one woman coming into together, they're coming together in the covenant of marriage. And now we just look at them and we know they're staying together. We know they're sleeping together and sex ain't that bad. We've been dumbed down and become numb to the dangers of sexual immorality and sexual sin. It is killing us from the inside out. Let me make this one quick statement because we're going to talk about it more in a minute. Biblical sex, listen to me. Look, look, look. All you married folk, this is for you. Biblical sex is beautiful and it is a blessing from God. And you need to be enjoying sex with your spouse on a regular basis. <laughs> All the men should have shouted amen right there, just saying. <laughs> sex is not the problem. It's unbiblical sex that is the problem. Unbiblical sex is this, it is sin. And sin brings death, and sin brings condemnation, and sin brings destruction, and sin makes you feel dirty, and sin creates unworthiness. Any kind of sex outside of biblical marriage is sin. Sin. I'm talking about premarital sex, 
and you can justify it. You can make it sound good. You can say, oh, we're going to get married, and oh, we've been living together this long, and oh, she's the one, and oh, he's the one. You can make all these excuses you want to make, but at the end of the day, it's sin. Premarital sin, extramarital sin. It's sex. Same-sex sex is sin. What about this one? Pornography. It is sin, and it is sexual sin. Lustful thoughts. The Bible said if you lust after a woman in your mind, you've already committed adultery in your heart. It's the same thing. It is so hard, y'all. I'm going to take a minute and talk about pornography. It's killing us. It's killing our world that we live in. It's killing our young people. And you know what we do in the church? We come to, <laughs> we come to church with our self-righteous attitude and sit in our pew and sing our songs. But I'm going to tell you that you would be alarmed at the percentage of men and women in the church who regularly look at porn. It would blow you away. So let's don't sit in here and act like that it's not an issue with us. It is killing America. It paints an ugly picture. It paints a false picture. It is killing us from the inside out. Sex is everywhere. Sex is everywhere. I'm going to say this. Sex is just like any other sin. It separates us from God. But are you looking? Can I hear a good amen? Sexual sin is on another level when it comes to the effect it has on us and on other people around us. Another level. So, 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 so God knows this and he teaches us this. Here's God's will. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That's God's will. Listen to me. Look, look, look. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how many scriptures you quote. I don't care how many times God has used you. If you are having sex outside of marriage, you are not in the will of God, and it is going to bring uh, damage to your life and to your relationships. And we got to stop it. We got to wake up. Because here's the thing 1 Corinthians 6 18. Run from sexual sin, Paul says. No other sin, none so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Nothing messes with your emotions. Nothing messes with your mind. Nothing messes with your body is having unbiblical sex. Sex was created by God for one man and one woman. <laughs> God created it this way, where their bodies would fit together, and the Scripture says the two would become one flesh. It ties the soul together. It ties the spirit together. It ties the flesh together. It is a connection that you can get no other way. And the enemy has lied to the world. He's lied to the church. He's lied to our youth. And we're running around, and we're connecting with this one on Saturday, and we're connecting with this one on Sunday. And last year, we slept with this one. And this time, we're going to have sex with this. And we got pornography in our mind, and we're lusting after everybody. No wonder our emotions and our mind and our body is screwed up because we're doing it in a way that God never intended for us to do it. It's messing with us. It's destroying us. From the very inside, I want to take a moment, and I'm done after this. I want to talk to the singles and to the marrieds, and then we're going to be done. Because, let's just read. Let me read scripture to you. 1 Corinthians 7.1, Paul addresses this issue. Paul planted a church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth is having trouble with sexual problems. The church back then had it. It's like we have it nowadays. And so they write Paul a letter, and they go, Paul, help us out with this sexual stuff. And he goes, now regarding the questions you ask in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, 
Each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have their own husband. Let me stop there and say, Paul's going to go on to say in a minute, some of you don't need to get married because you're going to be like Paul. You're going to be a missionary. You're going to give your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to the rest of us, here's what God says. You know what? One man and one woman. God's plan is family, y'all. God's plan is one man and one woman getting married, reproducing, and having godly children. That's God's plan. And the husband, this is really good for y'all. And the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Come on, somebody. You don't get all quiet on me, okay? Because you just like all of us. 99% of us, the husband's sexual needs and the wife's sexual needs, they are as opposite as they can be. Come on, somebody. But our job, according to the Bible, is this. My body doesn't belong to me. My body belongs to Tubby. And Tubby's body doesn't belong to her, but it belongs to me. And I'm not to be worried about fulfilling my needs. I'm worried about fulfilling her needs, and she should be worried about fulfilling my needs. This will help your sexual life in marriage right here. Fulfill one another's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to the wife. Watch this. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a time so you can give yourselves more completely over to prayer. Now listen to me, marrieds. You're, you're supposed to be having sex on a regular basis. It's what the word of the Lord says. It's not me. I'm telling you, unless you're going to fast, unless you're going to pray, you know what? You need to be coming together, and you need to be having sex on a regular basis. It's what the Word of God says. Because here's what we do. Can I tell you what we do? We get mad at one another. Come on, somebody. And we get angry, and, 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 and usually the woman says, tell you what I'll do. I'll cut him off. He don't act like that. Treat me that way. There ain't going to be none of this. And we get mad, and one's in this room, and one's in this room. And I'm telling you, the longer you stay apart and don't have sex the way God created it, the longer one sleeps in this bedroom and one sleeps in this bedroom, the greater chances there are of the enemy come in and bring some temptation for sexual immorality in your marriage. Afterward, you should come together. If you're going to pray, it's okay. Pray for about a week and then come back together. You should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not a command. What that means is we don't have sex with our spouse because we're mad, we're ticked off, whatever the reason is. And next thing you know, he's looking at that waitress a little bit different than he was a week before. And next thing you know, you're looking at that man up there that you teach school with just a little bit different than you were before. And next thing you know, porno pops up on your phone. The enemy can come in when we stay separated, but when we come together, the enemy can't touch us. Let's go for this one, then I'll be done. He says that, Paul says, I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift of God one, of one kind or another. So I say this to those who aren't married, to singles, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am because then you can focus completely on the Lord. But if you can't control yourself, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. Better to marry than to burn with lust. Can I just say this? It's God's will for us to get married. And here's what we do nowadays. Can I tell you what we do nowadays right quick? Can I have five more minutes? Can I hear a good amen? We want to have these long, drawn-out five, three, four, five, six, seven-year courtships anymore. You know, back in the day, our parents and grandparents, by God, they went together for a year, and at 20 years old, they got married for better or for worse, and they stuck it out, and they made it work, and they raised families. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful for that generation? 
And nowadays, nowadays we're cowards. Nowadays we won't make decisions. Nowadays we can't, we, we're, we, have no, we have commitment issues. And so we want to date for like five years. Are you kidding me? When you date with for five years and you're connected to her and she's connected to you and you think she's cute and he thinks you're cute and you keep going out and keep living life, sooner or later, you probably are going to cross the line and you're going to commit sexual immorality. Because you know what? Can I tell you what the church does? This so cracks me up. The church, because here's what the church does. The church will say, would you hear about Jesse? Oh, Cody's boy. He'd been dating that girl a year and a half, and they're getting married. My God, can you believe they're getting married that quick? Oh, I just can't believe they're getting married that quick. But then the other scenario is this. Well, what about old Jessica? What about her? Did you hear about her? Yep, she's pregnant. We knew it was going to happen. Oh, well, that's okay. You know, they ain't doing nothing we didn't do anyway. They'll be okay. There'll be a precious baby that'll come along one of these days. I mean, for real? Like, we just dumb down and we go, let them date six years and let her get pregnant. How about let's date a year or two and know who we are in Christ Jesus and go, you know what? If we're going to date for two years, I either know you're the one or I know you ain't the one. Adios and find somebody else or let's tie the knot and let's get it on. Oh, my Lord Jesus. We need to be having, I'm done, I really am, I promise. We need to be having these talks, y'all. We need to be having these talks, parents, with our kids. You've got to have these talks with them. You've got to, you've got to quit ignoring it because, oh, Lord Jesus. Come on, Conrad. <laughs> Bail me out of this hole, old buddy. It's good to get married. God's will, there's one man and one woman come together for better or for worse to get married and have sex and to enjoy it and it's fun and it's good and it should be salty and it should be spicy and it's not out of any kind of just old duty. It, no, no, no. Stay in love with your spouse. Love your spouse. Fulfill her needs. Fulfill his needs. Come together. It's God's blessing to married people. But outside of that, it's a wreck looking for a place to happen, y'all. Premarital sex, extramarital sex, same-sex sex, pornography, or lust. I'm telling you, I'm done. Students, I say it to y'all, because it's so rampant right now. You don't have sex and go to church, it's all good. If you do that, I'm telling you, God's got a man and God's got a woman for you guys. And there will come a time when you walk down that aisle to get married, and there will come a time, it may feel good right now, but there will come a time when you go, you know what, I wish I wouldn't have given myself up to that person. I wish I would have saved myself for the person that God had for me. You got to understand, when you put on a white dress and walk down the aisle, girls, that signifies purity. That signifies I have held my virginity. It signifies I've had self-discipline. I've saved myself for this, this moment, this covenant relationship with marriage. There's something to it, y'all. Sexual immorality is killing us. I close with this. Bow your heads and close your eyes, please. Just remind you God sees you. God sees what you're doing. And he commends you for your love and your faith and your service. God just says, I want you to constantly improve. God says, I got great plans for you. But like God can't bless us with the greatest if we're not going to put any more effort today than we did a year ago. Just constantly improve, y'all. Check yourself. Check your life. No coasting. Check the sexual sin in your life, whatever it might be. Some of you need to stop it today. I'm just going to be real honest and real blunt and real candid with you. Some of you right now, you go, how can I get out of this sexual relationship? How can I get out of this addiction to pornography? I'm saying right now, stop. Stop. Stop it. 
God is not going to bless you. Revival always starts with repentance. You've got to quit waiting on this supernatural move. You've got to quit waiting on this. You've got to go right now. I'm stopping it. By the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm stopping. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to spend the night over there anymore. I'm stopping it. When you stop and you repent, run to God and say, God, give me supernatural help. God, fill me with that Holy Spirit. And when we stop and repent, God will give us the strength that we need to be able to overcome the obstacle and the temptation in our life. It starts right there. It's repentance. As we close with this song of worship, this song says everything, everything in my life. I want it to shout forth your glory, God. Everything in my life, I want it to shout forth your praise. Here's my desire for me and for you, that we wouldn't have to open our mouth, but that our life and our daily actions would shout forth the glory of God. That our unwillingness the coast would shout forth the praise of God. That our unwillingness to compromise in sexual sin would shout forth the glory and the praise of Almighty God. Holy Spirit, speak to us as we close in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, y'all stand on your feet. Let's close with a song of worship.